You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. It's Saturday afternoon and the lights are low. <laughs> Welcome in. Hopefully everybody is out there enjoying a, uh, a fun Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, hopefully you had a, a, a one of my favorite nights of the week to go out is the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. Um, love that night. So hopefully you went out, had a nice Wednesday night, Thursday, great Thanksgiving with your family. Not sure what time. Here's here's one thing I don't understand is like the whole like eating at two o'clock. Don't quite get that. Um, and, and quite a few people I know do that. Uh, I don't. And, and by the way, we've got Ty and Jake who are producing the show back in the studio. Gentlemen, uh, good afternoon. Happy holidays to you. Hopefully you had a fantastic Thanksgiving with your family. I'm, I'm just curious. Do, in, anybody you know, like, do you guys do the 2 o'clock Thanksgiving no. thing? No, not at all. 2 o'clock, I'm still laying on the couch watching football. Yeah, man. I did 4. I, Is 4 o'clock early? I did 4. Uh, we did like yeah, six. Oh, I, okay, I, okay, I could, yeah, I, I think I think six is the appropriate time. Because it's, it's is, and, Thanksgiving and is there, dinner. And is there, an, uh, that, that's another question. Is there an appropriate Thanksgiving dinner time? Is I think, there? I think I, a lot of people eat their meal with the 430 football game. That's how I think, and that's how my family did it. But, you know, everyone's a little bit different. I think, I think the best thing to do is to serve it during the halftime of the second game, that 4:30 game, I think that's so. If 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 I was to host a Thanksgiving feast, that's probably what I would do. Is uh, you know, it'd be TV galore. Um, you know, I'd have little devices all over the house in case anybody wanted to put in a bet, and uh, you know, I'd make it fun. I'd probably I'd do some kind of gambling thing with all three games. Kind of like pick the games, pick the score. $25 buy-in. <laughs> I'm just, but I think, I think that's the perfect time. Anyway, I've derailed. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And then, uh, and then today, right now, about to kick off Ohio State in Michigan. This is going to be a good one. So I will keep you on top of this score throughout the show. It is rivalry week. Uh, so you've got Georgia against Georgia Tech, Florida against FSU, Auburn against Alabama, Oregon State against Oregon, Penn State against Michigan State, Wisconsin against Minnesota. I mean, like, it's just, it goes on and on and on. Today's really a fun day of college football. And again, we'll keep you on top of the scores, especially Ohio State and Michigan. If you did put money on that one, I did not. I stayed away from that one. I want nothing to do with it. I just, I want to see, I want to see a good game. That's what I want to see. And so, uh, so again, we will keep you posted throughout the show on that score. Um, we've got Dave Spadaro, who's going to be joining us in, in the first hour. Dave does a phenomenal job covering the Eagles. The Eagles coming to New York to take on the Giants with a lot of changes at the offensive quarter position. Jason Garrett is gone. Hasta la vista. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. So, um, you know, um, what can we expect? I, I, you know, what 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 do Giants fans? What do you want to expect in in this changing of the guard right now? Oh, look at this! It's snowing right now at the Michigan Ohio State game. Ooh, that's going to be fun. So if if you look, here's the thing. You know, baby steps each and every year, right? Giants are three and seven. Let's be honest, not going to the postseason. Uh, and like, are they are they mathematically out? No, they're not mathematically out, right? Um, 
but but if they were to go in, they would have to go in as a wild card, and you know, you're you're they would try to you know they'd have to like one up the Eagles, who of course, as we know, they're facing tomorrow. Uh, who since they've uh, changed their offensive philosophy has been really kicking butt and taking names. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings out of the NFC North, because I, I do have the Green Bay Packers winning that division. You got Carolina and the Saints. And I, I lean more co- towards Carolina. You know, I'll, I'll stand corrected here. Uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sold on the addition of Cam Newton, but boy, has he injected new life and new energy into that Panthers offense. And defensively, they are good. And I have them beating Miami this week. So I've got Carolina beating Miami, taking their record to 6-6. Six and six, And I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks losing to the Colts, losing to the Colts in Indianapolis and going 7-4. and four. So Carolina, they're relevant again. But still, you know, chances are you've got obviously a wild card team coming out of that division. And for sure, you've got a wild card team coming out of the NFC West, whether it's Arizona, who just went two and one with Colt McCoy, <laughs> marinating that for a minute. Everybody's talking about, you know, who's the best team? Is it, is it the Bucs? Is it Kansas City? Is it the Ravens? Patriots making some noise. Of course, the Bills won on Turkey Day. But... The Arizona Cardinals going two and one with Colt McCoy, just unbelievable. Their defense is sick. And then of course the Rams seven and three with the new addition of Odell Beckham Jr. I'm really intrigued. That's a really good game this week. The Rams going up against the Green Bay Packers, uh, and uh, seeing how Sean McVay utilizes Odell Beckham Jr. this week. So, but I, I just I take a tour around the NFC because, uh, you know, really what moving forward for the remainder of the season for Giants fans, what is it about? Had a conversation with a friend of mine who, uh, who's a huge Giants fan and said, you know, this, is, this, this will be the true test for Daniel Jones. I said, really? What are you talking about? We don't even know, we don't even know who's going to be calling the plays. And God forbid it's Joe Judge. Joe Judge hasn't had experience calling plays. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't quite get that. Offensive line got manhandled by the Bucks. I mean, just especially the interior. I, I just, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't think the, the changing of the guard right now at the offensive quarter position for Jason Garrett doesn't now turn all the attention into this offense being a juggernaut, and then now, now because Jason Garrett's gone, now we really get a true evaluation of Daniel Jones. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. But hey, maybe Giants fans feel that way. I can't, I don't, I just, my heart goes out to him because uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a rough road since the Giants drafted him. Let's be honest. And now, <laughs> and now he's going to have to make chicken salad out of chicken poop for the remainder of the season. We don't even know who's going to be calling the place. And God forbid it's a mixture of a collaborative effort in calling plays. You know, there, there is a, uh, you know, the, the game of football is a chess game, right? Like there's an ebb and flow. There's, there's a reason. You, you run a certain play uh, a few times in the first quarter or the first half so that you line up in the same formation, it looks the same, but then you, you come back and you run something different out of it in the fourth quarter that maybe will help you score a touchdown and win the game for you. There, you know, you, you, 
your offensive coordinator and your quarterback have to be on the same page. There's, there's, there's a, a uniqueness there. There's, there's a relationship. There's a, it, there's intimacy there. And there's going to be, now you're telling me it's going to be like a collective effort. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. So my evaluation of Daniel Jones is, is done for the season. And I personally, I, 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 think, I think what he's been able to do has been quite good comp- based on especially what he's been dealt, right? The, the hand that he has been dealt and what he's been able to show out of it. You know, the one game that he really shined, and this is the game that will stick out to me this season, is the game against the Saints where he had, that was the, the one game all season that offensively they had everybody healthy, right? It was the best game from Saquon Barkley. It was the best game from the offensive line. And that Saints defense, they're not chopped liver now, okay? They can contend. They can contest. So, and and I'm not sitting here telling you that that Daniel Jones is the end-all, be-all for this Giants organization. But I still, what what I am saying is the jury is still out for me there have been peaks and there have been valleys, and I like the peaks that I have seen from Daniel Jones this season, and I'm willing to invest another year in just washing my hands and giving up on Daniel Jones as the future of the quarterback position, whether it's whether Gettleman stays or not. 800-919-3776. What say you? Again, Dave Spadaro will be joining us at 1230. We'll dive into, we'll get the latest. In regards to the Eagles, I want to ask him, you know, <laughs> The Eagles and, and, and Jalen Hurts, I, I mean, they've just been unbelievable. They've rushed for 870 yards in their last four games. That's just ridiculous. It's, it's really, it's, it's fascinating. And this Eagles team has turned it around for sure. Again, they're sitting at five and six. I do believe the Eagles beat the Giants this week. Um, and, of course, we know the Dallas Cowboys just came off of a loss against the Raiders. And, and they're reeling. They've got some big-time issues there as well. So... A lot to dive into. Uh, We'll talk about the Jets as well. Zach Wilson back under center, getting the start against uh, the Houston Texans, whether it's because you've got White on COVID and Flacco uh, because he's unvaxxed. Was that the reason? I think this is a good start spot for him, for Zach Wilson, to get back into action. It's not like the Houston Texans are, you know, anything to write home about. So uh, Lovey Smith is their defensive coordinator, and I'm a huge Lovey Smith fan, but and, and they, they have been playing better as of late. Of course, I know they just came off of a win against the Tennessee Titans, who that team is reeling as well. But nonetheless, I think this is a nice, this is a good spot start for Zach Wilson, right? Knee healthy again, has had an opportunity to kind of like watch from, a, watch from afar, watch from the sideline, take it all in, learn from Flacco, learn from White. Let's see if he comes out. Let's see, let's see what Zach Wilson we get tomorrow. Excited about that. Uh, of, of course, it's Saturday, 1.30. We'll hear from Cynthia Freeland. She'll be joining us. We'll talk all things NFL. We've got some really great games on the slate heading into uh, week 12. Joe Wiz, as always, joins us at 2.30. We'll have a click or don't click. As always, Ty and Jake will lead the way. And, uh, and, 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 and also a lot of, obviously, news pertaining to the Mets. Starling Marte, of course, now four-year, $78 million deal. He signs with the Mets. Some other players... Uh, as well, their contracts uh, have been signed, and uh, and so hoping to get a, a Mets guest to, to join us, and we'll open up the phone lines as well for all you Mets fans. How do you feel about the moves that they have made in the last 24 hours? I do want to get into 
what's what's been going on with LeBron as well and uh, and the fan base in the NBA, uh, which has been pretty disgusting to me, uh, and uh, and and a lot more. We'll talk net, net. We'll talk Knicks. We'll talk Nets. And also, I want to get into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. You've got uh, Big Poppy and Alex Rodriguez on it now. You also have uh, Roger Clemens, Bonds, uh, Kurt Schilling, and, uh, and Sosa. This is their last attempt to make it into the Hall. This is it. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Listen, old school is old school. The game changes. And when the game changes, your philosophy needs to change. If you're an offensive coordinator and, and you're stuck in this, uh, this is your system, uh, not for long. That's for sure. Especially, not only, not only does the game change, but your, your, your stable changes. What, is that, what do I mean by that? The horses in your stable changes. And so you need to constantly, and, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm not a really big believer in, oh, well, you know, let's, let's hire Chip Kelly because, you know, he, he, he runs that spread offense, boy. He did a great in Oregon, so let's implement him in, in Philadelphia. And boy, no one's going to be able to stop the Eagles. But if your general manager and your scouting department don't draft the right players to run your spread offense the way that you were able to dominate in college in, in, at Oregon, then uh, you're not going to win. You know, I, 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 like def- I like offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. I like coordinators who, like, look at their roster, see what their strengths are, and then you design and you create an offense. Around, around the talent that you have on your roster, right? I mean, you know, no, there's no better example of it than what the Baltimore Ravens have done. Their roster is totally different now after, what, th- what are you, three, four years in with Lamar Jackson than they were with Joe Flacco. Why? Different offense, different scheme. You design and you build an offense around Lamar Jackson's skill set, and then you draft players that fit that scheme. That's really, you know, at the end, bigger picture here, you know, that's really, that, that's, 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 what the, that's what the major, my opinion, that's the major problem when you have an organization. Everyone's like, oh, the Patriots this, the Patriots that. Because there's, there's no, <laughs> you're not going to fire Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's going to walk away when 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 he's ready, and oh by the way, he's gearing his children to take over and reign in in New England. It's just it's it's a consistent. This is what we're doing. This is our philosophy. This is our identity. This is who we are, and we draft accordingly, as opposed to a team who comes in and you know they run one style of offense, and so they're drafting for that. But then two years later, you file the, fire the general manager, you fire, fire the head coach. Now you implement a different style of offense, but you don't have the players in your stable to run the offense. It's a, it's a vicious, it's a vicious cycle of failure. And it happens all the time in the NFL. It's, 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 it's wild to me. Let's go to Steve calling in from Vegas. Steve, welcome in. Hey, Anita, how you doing? Hi, good afternoon. All right. Um, well, the way I look at it is it, Daniel Jones is not really even the main problem. The main problem for me is once the Maris decided to put a guy in from Boston, I almost get the same feel that I got when Phil Jackson was with the Knicks. It's almost like sabotage the moves he's making. How, how do you pick a guy from Duke? With, with, with the sixth overall pick and say you in full bloom love. 
All right, let's move past that. You know, you pick Saquon Barkley. All right, let's move past that. Those two guys haven't worked. But then you go this draft. The best thing you did was is move down to get the Bears pick. All right, that's a good move. But then you pick Kadarius Tony. Look, he's he's nasty. We all can see he's athletic. He's almost like OBJ, pretty much the same thing. They know how to pick wide receivers. But you just finished spending so much money in, the, in free agency, getting Galladay, you know, you got Ingram, you got Shepard, you know, you got Ross, you got all these guys already, and then you use a draft pick on a wide receiver instead of using it on an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. You know, Ojolari's good, but then you got that guy, Dexter Lawrence, you don't know what he's doing sometimes. Sometimes you, you try to look for the pressure and you don't see it. So it's like he, he's making moves that seemingly look like it's beneficiary to the team, but it's not. You know, so it just looks like and feels like a guy from Boston. You know what I mean? Like, how are you running a New York franchise? If the Mariners had a pulse on, on New York, as far as New Yorkers, you would know. Don't ever put a Boston native in a position of power for, for a New York organization. You just don't I don't do know. It. I, listen, right listen now, I don't. I, I don't know. Listen, we're somebody, and I appreciate your phone call. We're somebody who was born and raised. I, I, you know, I, that's neither here nor me, near here nor there for me. Now, but you did hit on you did hit on a lot of really good topics there, right? Like, um, I, jury is still out in regard to if the Giants did the right thing in regard to not drafting Parsons. Parsons is a unique talent. He's a unique. He's uh, he's just he's really no doubt he's going to win defensive rookie of the year. He might even win defensive player of the year this year. Now, as we know, the Giants traded down. They drafted Kadarius Tony. He can't stay healthy, right? Uh, and and only time will tell because we'll see what the Giants get in return for that Bears first round draft pick. So I, I don't think we can really put a fair evaluation on this year's draft class until probably another two or three years, right? Um, but I, I, was, I was not a fan of the Galladay signing uh, from, from the start. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, so, some, some, of, some of the decisions and some of the moves that Gettleman has made um, are questionable, number one, and, uh, but, but also number two, some of them we, get, we have to see how they're, they're, they're going to play out for sure. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, check it out now. Uh, no doubt now. Uh, yeah. Music only means one thing. Cynthia Freeland is in the house. It's here all over the NFL network each and every day. And a lot tomorrow on Sunday. Cynthia Freeland, what is up? Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, my friend. How are you? I'm so full. How are you? <laughs> I can't stop eating my leftovers. <laughs> I can't be stopped. Okay. I just I... love the <laughs> did, so, so do you? Did you cook? Did you make Thanksgiving dinner this year? We did, yeah. Art and Marianne made the trip out and had other family members there, too. And then my next-door neighbor, Denny, who uh, unfortunately... He's, he's the man, but he unfortunately lost his wife earlier this year. They were married for 59 years, and he was regaled 
books with stories oh. about like they're younger. He was a true rocket scientist too. How cool is that? Oh, that's kind of that oh. makes me a little sad. But it was nice nice that you were able to entertain him and uh, and, and welcome him into your home. Um, oh, he's the best. And say hello and and say hello to your mom for me. Um, I, I she's, oh, she's awesome. All right, so so What'd let's you dive How, into it. Slate a game. Uh, it was it was fine. I went to Brooklyn. I I, uh, I had Thanksgiving dinner in Brooklyn, and then uh, picked up my tree and had a tree decorating party Ooh. here last night. Yeah, I Ooh, think I think I, I went I went. Yeah, I think I went a little overboard with the size of the tree that I selected. Um, it's kind of like you know one of those things like, hey, do you want some apartment with that tree as opposed to. You know, uh, the tree is bigger than my apartment. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's... Christmas trees. <laughs> I just nothing's better than a, a, a beautiful Christmas tree in a home with the lights and everything. So I, I like to get that bad boy up as soon as possible. All right. Uh, let's let, let's dive into the slate of games. As always, I like to get your opinion on what's going on with the Jets and the Giants. So uh, the Eagles in town getting ready to take on the Giants, the Giants uh, making some changes. As we know, Jason Garrett no longer there. I quite don't understand the whole like, oh, it's going to be a joint effort in regard to calling the plays uh, for Daniel Jones. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I've got some 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 serious concerns about that. But regardless, uh, on the opposite side, this Eagles team, boy, uh, Sirianni, like they, they have found an offense that has definitely worked, and defenses have not been able to figure out a way to stop it. Your thoughts on this Eagles-Giants game, Eagles getting three and a half. Yeah, I think the Eagles, three and a half seems like a very low number. So I think three and a half is really smart. So interestingly enough, I do know that, look, Freddie Kitchens does know how to implement run games and make them work. So I do think that will be better for Saquon in general, but I'm not sure what this means. If you've got multiple play callers, do you have any play callers? Like, it just seems confusing to me. Right? Like, I, I just, you know, there, there, there's, there's a rhythm you get into when you're playing call, when, when you're calling plays with, you know, the offensive coordinator and the, and the quarterback. There's a rhythm. There's a jive. There's a groove. I, I don't, I don't quite understand the, the whole, you know, ah, hey, 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 Joe. Why don't you call the plays this series? Oh, no, Freddie. You got this. Go ahead, buddy. Like, what is going on here? I don't I don't quite understand. Uh, the Jets going up against the any. Texans. I don't either. I know, I know. The, <laughs> the Jets going up against the Texans. Zach Wilson back under center uh, for a number of reasons. Of course, COVID and the fact that Joe Flacco is, is not vaccinated either. Uh, going up against the Texans team, they've looked better as of late. They beat the Tennessee Titans their last outing, and Tyrod Taylor's back at the quarterback position. Houston is favored at home, minus two and a half. What do you like here in this game? Ooh, I think the Jets go in and they upset the Texans. Woo! I think Zach Wilson, we, I know. I think it's interesting because I don't think we know exactly what to expect from Zach Wilson and because we've seen such a small sample size. However, you know who else doesn't know what to expect from Zach Wilson? That would be the secondary for the Texans. And they don't bring a lot of pressure, so I think it's going to be interesting, especially because we've seen Wilson complete the deep pass. So I think it's going to be an interesting one. By the way, Texans secondary, they're tied with Washington for the highest completion percentage given up to opposing deep passing quarterbacks. Look at that. Great little nugget there. that Bringing the heat right there. Yeah, that many could use at a local watering hole tonight or, or maybe in their man cave as they're hosting the watch party. Um, 
Bucks Colts. I love the Colts. I love the Colts at home getting three. I like the Colts on the money line. I think the Colts upset the Bucks. Thoughts? This might be our wine game. This one might be our wine game because as much as I think <laughs> there's that always the there's are, always one each and every week. There's always one. There's always more reason for wine, Anita. But I think it, <laughs> look, I, I just really have a lot more. Now the injury report will dictate this one for me. On Friday, we saw Vita Vea and Devin White both appear as questionable. Okay, that's a problem against a really good, strong rushing team. We saw Jonathan Taylor just totally crushed last week. However. I'm going to tell you that Todd Bowles is really masterful at stopping the run, and this is the number one rush defense in the league overall. So when I look to see the matchup and I look to see what's the difference maker here, I just don't trust Carson Wentz to not make the crucial mistake. And I think Tom Brady and this offense will just have a little bit of an opportunity. By the way, remember, they've given up the most receiving touchdowns, they being the Colts secondary, the Colts defense, most receiving touchdowns in the league and the most receiving uh, touchdowns of that, that Tom Brady likes to throw. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting matchup there. I just, you know, that's why my math picking the Bucks, not by a ton, but by, I think it's by three or four. I can't remember, but very close to what the line is. So uh, let me ask you this then, teasing the Colts to plus nine. Oh, I like that. That's better. That's where I like it. You, you, you like that one, huh? And, and also, by the way, yeah. I like the under, I like the under in this game as well. The Colts, very meticulous. They run the football a lot. They like to control time of possession. I think a big key here is keeping Tom Brady off the field. The over-under is at 53. So I like the, I like the under in this yeah, game. Yeah, that's high. I'm with um, you on that one for sure. Panthers and Dolphins. Uh, Cam Newton has really uh, injected new life into this Panthers offense. Their defense is quite good. Uh, best defense that uh, Tua will have faced in the last few weeks. Um, I like Carolina only laying two and a half on the road in Miami. What say you? I love that. And I also want to add on top of that, that I think Cam Newton makes it his 15th game with a rushing touchdown in his last 18 games played. So I like Cam Newton for a rushing touchdown and Carolina to get at least a three-point win. The Titans in New England taking on the Patriots. I hate to use the word trap game. I hate saying that phrase. I just, I don't like it, but... Um, I'll use it here just because, you know, the Patriots have a big game against the Buffalo Bills next week. Uh, New England favored by seven at home, Tennessee. And by the way, some breaking news uh, while we, we uh, this came just came down about 45 minutes ago, and that is A.J. Brown now has been placed on IR. Uh, he has a, a chest injury, so now no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones, no, no as, as we know, you know, Henry's out. Um, a lot of injuries here for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, is is do you, do you do you like the seven or is it too much for you? You know, right now my model has six, but that's mostly because I think that it's a stronger rushing presence on the side of the Patriots, meaning like a Damian Harris gets a bit of an uptick just to control the clock a little bit more. I don't. I, I just think at some point. We saw what happened when the Titans just – at some point you reach a critical mass of injuries. They are literally the most injured team of all time right now. So at some point you just can't overcome that. And so I think that it's very hard for me to imagine how the Titans – I mean, Nick Westbrook-Akina, you could maybe play him in fantasy if you wanted to, but I don't even know if I'd recommend that against all of the – I mean, Jason Jackson, all of these great secondary players for the past. So this is not – 
I just think it's an unfortunate timing situation for a Tennessee Titans team that we've seen. We've seen what happens when they when they're injured, too injured. Again, Cynthia Freeland joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see her all over the NFL Network. Here are some 4 o'clock games on tap, and this is good. This is a good one. Uh, the Rams going up against the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers showed us that big toe at his press conference. He said it's broke, wow. hasn't, practiced, hasn't practiced this week, but I'm sure they're going to shoot it up, uh, put a carbon fiber plate on the bottom of his cleat and throw him out there to go up against a Rams offense that I'm, I, I find really interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see how Sean McVay incorporates Odell Beckham Jr. into this offense. Uh, you've got the Rams on the road in Green Bay, fi- favored by one and a half. Do you have a side here? I, you know, I like the Rams to win this game as much as I like. I look to see, and I'm like, okay, Packers. They are getting a little bit healthier. Maybe we saw Aaron Jones it appears questionable. Same with Rashawn Gary. It seems like Aaron Jones is going to play, which could be a big difference maker. However, David Bakhtiari isn't back, and then they just lost Elgin Elgin Jenkins to their guard. And you know where Aaron Donald likes to line up? Yeah, that's not great. And then Vaughn Miller. And then that's the problem. Is I just think that there's too many things. Like the Rams, we saw a couple bad games, but they've had a bye week to prepare for this. And even with Aaron Rodgers and that, if I ever have to see more people's feet again, I'm going to lose my mind. But long story short, I just don't think he can overcome all of that. And I think we see this Rams offense get back on track. In fact, I think people are undervaluing Daryl Henderson's production. I think I saw – Somewhere where, you know, I think there there's props of something like 65 rushing yards. Come on. That's big over there. Um, you got the Vikings in San Francisco to take on the 49ers. Uh, 49ers favored by three and a half. I like the Minnesota Vikings on the road getting three and a half. Ooh, we are on opposite sides of this one, too. I'm another another bottle, another bottle of wine. Another bottle of wine. Oh, the wine. We're going to get drunk. No. So, but look, I... <laughs> When it comes to where the matchups are, without a pass rush that's really reliable, and obviously Danielle Hunter, it's like, you know, and everything. We've got some, you know, I want everything to be better. This is a this is totally not a football thing. I, I wish the best for him, but unfortunately you're not going to have him when you play a team that runs the ball so well and the passing has been going really well for them and a team that lines up tighter in the slot with George Kittle a ton, and that's an area where the Vikings already give up a 111.5 passer rating to pass catchers lined up in the slot or tight. So it just seems like there's too many things, you know, stacking up in favor of the Niners in what should be a close game. I think I have a, I think I have a two-point win. I know it's three right now, but a two-point win for the Niners. All right. As always, uh, we like to end our segment with you talking all things fantasy football um, and talk about uh, some of the guys that you have on your radar that are uh, not the obvious starters each and every week. So as always, let's start with the quarterbacks. Who do you like? Interestingly enough, I think you could actually play Jimmy Garoppolo this week if you were looking for, like, I'm not suggesting you're starting him over, like, a guy like Cam Newton, because I'm now assuming that people have gotten wind of Cam Newton being good enough to play in, in fantasy. So, but I, I think you could look at Jimmy G in this matchup, because I do think Kirk Cousins is a great passer, so the, the score is going to stay higher than you might imagine. So I like that one a lot. Um, would you play Jimmy Garoppolo over Trevor, uh, I mean, over uh, Taylor Heineke? You know, I would. I would in this matchup, not because I think that Seattle's defense is so awesome and, and wonderful, but because I think in this matchup, 
one of the things they're going to have to do if they're going to try to beat the Seahawks, who I believe now are favored, they're going to have to run the ball a whole lot more because then it can control the clock. Because Russell Wilson, I told you, the Texans are tied with Washington for giving up the highest completion percentage to deep passes. And we know that Russell Wilson knows how to slang it deep. So I think they'd have to run the ball, which just means not as much production from Heineke from a fantasy point of view. All right, running backs, who do you like? All right. So when I'm looking at the running back situation, and obviously because we've already had three games, some of my favorite sneakier options are already gone. You know, I, I think you want to look at, you could do the Ramondre Stevenson situation. If you, I mean, you got to check, of course, injury reports always in, are, are very key to this because Damian Harris, you got to kind of read between the lines and see what the beat writers say ahead of time. I also think that if you're looking forward to the future and meaning who you can get on the waiver wire, we saw Matt Breida be super important and impactful. So I think you could look to pick him up for next, for next week. Yeah, I actually, I picked Matt Breida up. I played him in a number of my, my leagues. I had him as my flex bay, put up 18 points for me. So I feel really good about that. That last, that last, minute, uh, that last minute touchdown definitely put that over the top for me on Thursday. Wide receivers. Who do you get? So I, when I'm looking at my wideouts this week, I think the Nick Westbrook Akina, you could you could roll with that if you absolutely have to. I want to talk about I don't know when when I was to see okay so what's going to go on in a game that I like very I have a little bit more faith will be a higher scoring game and I think you maybe want to look at like people have been down on Brandon Ayuk but like why so I, I think you go maybe go back to the Brandon Ayuk well here just because I think there's an opportunity there especially against uh, Vikings defense but I think they'll keep it competitive so I, I think that one's a good one as well. And last but not least, give me some tight ends. All right. So my tight ends this week, I like a few already, but look, I know he's not a fan favorite always because sometimes he gets a bunch of volume. He's on the field and, and, and they seem to use him, but then other times it's like, well, where did he go? But maybe going forward, you might want to take a look at that Dan Arnold situation. The Jags need to go somewhere with the ball, and it seems like he's at least on the field a lot. I'm not talking about – you're not playing him if you have a guy who's actually good or a guy who's actually, like, getting a ton of targets. But if you're looking for, like, a one-off in a situation going forward, that one could be your one-off. Love it. Cynthia Freeland, it's always great to have you on. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, again, uh, happy so holidays. I'm so grateful for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Very grateful. We're all grateful. Uh, we, we so love uh, the segment with you each and every Saturday. So, so appreciate it. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click. It's a fun way we kind of tour around our wide, wide world of sport, find out what is trending at 1.16 p.m. on this Saturday afternoon by the headlines. Do they make you want to click or do they make you want to say, no, I'm going to pass. So we've got our producers, uh, Ty and Jake, who lead the way as always. Gentlemen. Black Friday splash for the amazons. Um, yeah, I'm clicking. The New York Mets have signed one of the marquee names in free agency. That would be Starlin Marte. He is mm-hmm. a veteran outfielder, comes in at age 33. It's a four-year contract worth $78 million, first recorded Woo! by the MLB Network. Last year, he spent some time with both Miami and Oakland. 
He hit 12 home runs, 55 runs batted in, and he led the majors with 47 stolen bases. So the Mets fill a a position of need. You add some speed, some defense, and obviously uh, he he can be an offensive threat at the plate. So uh, Buster only uh, put this out on Twitter earlier today. Still early, but the possible Mets lineup looks like this. Marte, Nimmo, Lindor, Alonzo, Escobar is another guy they signed uh, yesterday. Eduardo Escobar uh, mm-hmm. was signed by the Mets. Uh, McNeil, Canhe, Smith, and McCann with Robinson Cano being a possible wild card. So the Mets uh, making some moves uh, late in the week. Earlier in the week, the, the, the headlines were not good because it was Steve Cohen calling out Stephen Matt's agent on Twitter, called him unprofessional. There was a little back and forth there. But ending the week strong... Um, Mets making some moves right now as they look to get back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. You got you to gotta love the signing. Like you said, offense as well as on, on the defensive side of the ball. Some would argue best center fielder in, in Major League Baseball. Um, still don't know what's going to happen with Baez, right? Like That's still a question mark. Am yeah. I correct? Uh, the reports um, are, doesn't mean that, I saw a report today that it doesn't mean that they're, they're totally out on Baez, but... Um, yeah, this was the move they made. They added outfielder Mark Canha on a two-year deal worth $26.5 million with a club option for 2024. And as I mentioned, infielder Eduardo Escobar is here on a two-year contract worth $20 million with a club option for 24 as well. Here's, here's, here's what's disappointing, right? Like, exciting signing. Mets fans should be thrilled, excited about this, the potential, the possibility. You talked about what their lineup would look like, you know, based on the tweet from Buster Olney, blase, blase, blase. But then you've got the owner who's, you know, going to social media, throwing an, an agent under the bus. And, you know, th- that's that's not taken lightly. And that gets around. And so, you know, you, you've got to wonder, you know, it, it was hard to fill some executive positions here because there were a number of people that, uh, Steve Cohen wanted that were like, no, no way, no way would I go work for him. No way would I go work for that organization. And, you know, the, the tweets that we continually to see from, from ownership is not helping the situation. So, in, so I guess what I'm saying, like for Mets fans, like in one instance, like you want to be excited about the signing. This is great signing. But at the same time, you're like, it's kind of bittersweet because if you're a Mets fan, I would I would imagine that you're not happy with what ownership is doing on 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 social media. Yeah, um, I mean, right? It, as Girardi would say, not what you want. But for right now, if you're a Mets fan, <laughs> is that what he says? Not yeah, what you want. It's not what you want. If you're a Mets not fan, what you, you have to fe- uh, be feeling pretty good about what the team just did. I want to point you in the direction of uh, this um, note that Joel Sherman dropped today on. Uh, the New York Post, he says, uh, Canha, Escobar, and Marte each played at the age of 32 last year. They were among the 25 players that age or they were among the 25 players that age or older who produced at least 2.0 wins above replacement or better in 2021. So, Matt's adding some some much needed depth there. Good job. Alrighty, so it's, it's my turn. My click or don't click is only the good die young. 
I'm 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 intrigued. Yes, I'm clicking. All righty. Well, we usually only do sports stories, but here and there we sprinkle, you know, world stories as well. And this one certainly deals with the world. The world's oldest woman, Francesca Susano, died this week at the age of 124. She was the last person alive who was born in the 19th century. She was born and brought up in Philippines and affectionately known as Lola. It says she died in her home peacefully. The cause of her death is yet to be determined, even though, you know, you were 124 years old. So sometimes, you know, just uh, life, you know, comes to an end. But I do want to send my condolences to her family. And of course, what an accomplishment. I don't know how much, you know, it has to do with her being the world's oldest woman, but 124 years. She did say in an interview that her secret for living such a long life is a diet consisting mainly of vegetables with little meat and no pork. So the guy who sang this story, who had about five pounds of turkey on Thursday, uh, might not be living to 124, but I saw this story and I thought I'd bring it up today. I love it. Um, and just FYI, I, I, my oldest dog is 21. And so if you do the, the math, um, you calculate your dog's age compared to human years, uh, you go, the first year is just a one year. And then in the, any, in the, the years after the first year, you multiply times seven. So Billy is 141. Wow. So yeah. Francesca is the oldest woman, not the oldest dog in the world. Not the oldest, the not the oldest, oldest dog. And how many dogs do you have again? Uh, unfortunately, I, I have I just have four now. I, I, I lost one last Christmas. Oh, I'm um, sorry, but I do I didn't no, know you were a big dog lover always, a big animal lover. So yes, yep, an old uh, dog as well. So uh, it's uh, and 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 just a side note. So I've 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 been going to see a chiropractor as of late, and uh, and I was having a discussion with him. Do you know that within the next ten to fifteen years, uh, the human like like we are going to live until like like 125 100 like 150 like in the next like 10 to 20 years the life expectancy is no longer going to be at like 75 to like 95 year old years old so like you're saying that, you're saying this woman francesca was ahead of the curve basically she's ahead of the curve exactly gotcha so who knows then maybe we'll all be living to but 125 it, isn't that wild though i mean think about the marinating that for a minute did he say that the reasoning behind it yeah, like, you know, the way, you know, the, the foods that we're eating, you know, the uh, gluten-free, the, you know, all the healthy stuff we're, we're eating now, the way that our, the way, the way that our food is grown, like. So Francesca that. was the first woman to 124. We all, we all, like, we all, we, we all have a lot more emphasis, like, we're all, you know, exercise is more important now, right? I like, was just going to say, Tom Brady will probably be the first football player ever to play to 124, so, you know, probably. he's probably right behind Francesca, but quite a story there as well. <laughs> he's Benjamin Button. What else we got? It's gut, ch- cut, g- gut check time <laughs> for the Knicks. So you got Gordon Damer coming up from... Three to seven. Right after that, you could get coverage of Knicks in Atlanta tonight, beginning at 7 p.m. right here on 98.7 ESPN. Gut check time. They lost last night to the Suns by 21 points. And you can say, well, the Suns, they, they came within— Man, they've, won, they've won like 15 straight, They're, they're a 15-game winning Man, streak. They came they within two wins of winning the finals. They lost to, to Giannis, and, you know, he, and he had an unbelievable playoff run. So— uh, the Suns right now looking every bit as much as good as they were last year, if not better, uh, legitimate contender. So no shame in what happened last night. But the problem is for the Knicks, 
you start to see some of the trends develop that are that are unfavorable. For example, your two best players, R.J. Barrett and, and Julius Randle last night, combined for 19 points on 6 of 18 shooting. Um, you're, you're seeing Fournier start off hot, then he goes cold, he keeps shooting. Uh, the defense, again, hasn't been great this year. Not, not nearly the same level of intensity as they had last year. Um, you see fans are now questioning Tibbs' rotations. And I know they're dealing with some injuries with Rose and Kemba won't play tonight. But they're in Atlanta. This is a rematch of what they had in the playoffs last year. You look at the Knicks' upcoming schedule, and it, it's tough because you got Atlanta tonight. You're in Brooklyn on Tuesday. Then you're home for the Bulls and then the Nuggets. But then it's at San Antonio, at Indy, at Toronto. Then you're home for the Bucks. Then home for the Warriors. So it's it's a tough slate coming up for the Knicks. And, you know, you look back at what happened on Tuesday against the Lakers. They were able to escape that one after blowing a 25-point lead. But you come back last night, you get blown out by the Suns, and now you got a tough one tonight against Atlanta. Yeah, there's not a lot of time to, like, right this ship, right? Yeah, it's tough. Um, You know, Booker last night, 32 points. Like I said, you know, Suns, they've won 15 straight. Uh, you know, and now you're going up against a Hawks team, Trey Young, almost 40% from downtown. Uh, he's averaging three points, uh, three three-pointers a game. And from what I understand, Derrick Rose is going to be out, right? So, I, I, you know, I don't uh, – again, you know, I, we, we talked about it last week in, in regard to this Knicks team, and I'll use the, the phrase again, like an ebb and flow to a season. And, and they've, they've got to they've figure this out. Uh, you know, we had Mark Berman on last week, and we were talking about, like, you know, what's this team's identity? You know, they're no longer that – top three, top five defensive team in the NBA that we saw last year. They uh, gave up certain players to bring in certain players to try to get more aggressive and, and, and be better offensively, especially uh, from, from downtown shooting the three-pointer. And I just think it's going to take a minute to gel. And I, I think Julius Randle is, is still kind of finding his way and finding his role uh, with the new additions of Walker and Fournier because, uh, you know, his role is different. The offense doesn't go through him anymore. So, but you know, you make an excellent no, the point. The offense and, and, still goes through Julius. It's, I mean, uh, it's not like does. not like last year. Not like last year. No, it does. It still goes through him. He's got more weapons that should be able to open the lane for him. Like it should be easier, not harder. You don't add scorers, and your job gets tougher. It, it should get easier. It's just that. Well, it was feel, it was a lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. I I, I feel like defenses now are more prepared because last year it was more of a surprise that he blossomed the way that he did. Um, when he was drafted, yes, he had a, a high ceiling, but that never materialized with the Lakers. And, and obviously we didn't see it in Dallas either or in New Orleans. So you get to the Knicks, and there wasn't that high level of expectation for him, and he becomes an all-star. But now when you're expected to be the best player on a team that we should take seriously in the Eastern Conference – you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And the Knicks, on paper, we thought got better, but we also recognized that the conference got tougher as well. Chicago made some moves. Miami made some moves. We know what, what Milwaukee and Brooklyn is, and, and six, the Sixers, I know they're without Ben Simmons, but they're still a legitimate team. So I think with the Knicks now, now yeah, they're still figuring their roster out, but uh, as Dave, he's a diehard Knicks fan. He made the point on the show today that he wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs. In fact, if he had to bet money right now, so the Knicks are at the eighth seed. 
at 10 and 9. You know, you get the 10 playoff spots because of the playing game. They're one game ahead of the Cavs uh, who are sitting in 11. He said if he had to put his money down on, on one outcome right now, it would be the Knicks missing the playoffs. And it sounds overreactionary, but that the conference is really good. You can only make you can make the case that the, the the two teams that are irrelevant are the Pistons and the Magic. Everyone else is are, are live players. Pacers, Raptors, Cavs, Celtics, like the the conference is loaded. So the Knicks, you know, you go through a brutal stretch like this, it it, it can sink you. Which is why games like tonight um, are very important when they go down to Atlanta. What what I mean by the offense not running through him like it did last year. Last last year, Ty, he had a lot of like. You know, he had to create for himself. So, you know, this year with the added, you know, the walk, the, adding Kemba and adding Fournier, um, it's a different style of offense, right? Like you're, you're, you're banking that, you know, their percentage, shooting percentage uh, from the wing or, or beyond the arc is going to open up things. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a different, I think it's just, just a different offense for him. I think it's a different identity in how he's scoring this year than last year. That's my point. Yeah. So, um, big, big, and, and I don't, and here's, though. and here's big another thing. Tonight. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would have, I don't know if I'd make that bet because it's a long season. You know, I, I, I picked prior to the season starting, I picked the Miami heat, uh, to, to represent the East in, in the postseason. I, I had the, my, my preseason pick for the NBA championship is, uh, is heat and golden state warriors. We'll see how that, but it's, it's a long season. You don't, you never know. Guys can't stay healthy. I don't. And, and again, I just, I, I think I, I like the addition. I, I like what we've seen the Knicks do. I just think it's going to take a minute just to gel and then for them to find their way and find their identity. We're a quarter so, of the way through the year though. We should start to see what you are, you know, coming to fruition. And at 10 and nine, like the sky isn't falling. You're still in the playoffs. You're still, you know, jumbled right there with, with everyone. I, I mentioned they're, well, let me, only, let me they're ask only one this. game. They're only one game ahead of the Cavs for 11, but they're also only two games back of the Bulls for two. So like you're still jumbled together with all these other teams. You just don't want to see the bad habits continue to, you know, take full the way that they have been. Are you still, are you still believing in banking that the Lakers are going to find their way? They're yeah, sitting at ten well, and 0. yeah, because the West is not deep at all this year. All, all, all of the firepower, like depth wise, the Eastern Conference is better top to bottom. The West might not might have the best team right now with the Warriors, but they're they're the Suns and the Warriors to me are like that. That's the class of the Western Conference. Everyone else is is to be had. So I'm not concerned at all about the. Lakers. So that's so that, but that's what you're that's what you're basing. You're 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 just pretty much what you're saying is the East is so much more competitive in the West, and so you feel that you know the the the, the Knicks their time is clicking. They don't have enough time to find their way because not that they don't have the, enough time. It's the just East wanna, is so yeah, good. You want to start to see it happen. Yeah, this this stretch is going to be important. It's like a litmus test. All of the the teams I outlined that they're going to be going up against some tough teams. You want to see them perform well. And not you know get blown out by twenty one at home, uh, where your two best players combined for nineteen points on six of eighteen shooting. We we got to see better performances than that if we are to take you seriously. You're listening to Anita Marks on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> dollar, 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 dollar. <laughs> 
Make ya holla. Joe Wiz, 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by PlaySugarHouse.com. Joe Wiz, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, man. How you doing? I'm doing really good. You know, I'm, I had to sweat out that Detroit Lion game on Thanksgiving Day. I'm still, uh, I'm not betting the Lions anymore, even though they won. It was just too much aggravation on Christmas uh, afternoon, on Thanksgiving afternoon. Well, I, th- I was rooting for them. I think a lot of us are rooting for them. You know, we don't want to see them go through a game, a season where they didn't, w- they don't win one game. You know, and, and uh, hey, listen, that defense has been playing great. I mean, they held uh, both Pittsburgh and the Cleveland Browns to uh, under 20 points prior to uh, yeah. Thursday's game. I mean, their defense is playing well. Like, I, I think I think they're going to eventually win a game. I, I like. I, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna they call. They should have beaten the Ravens too. Don't forget, don't forget the Ravens kicked the 66 yard field goal to beat them as well. Yeah, but the Ravens had uh, that was this that was the uh, the sick game, right? For uh, they didn't yeah. have uh, right. They didn't have uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, did you have them on the money line? Um, no, I took them plus three. Um, I wasn't comfortable betting the Lions on the money line. Um, I took them plus three. I know on the air I gave them out. I thought they would get the win. But I think I texted you a day earlier that line dropped everywhere at some of the smart places. There was three early Thanksgiving morning, and we talk about line moves all the time, and there was a ton of them today. I talked about it on my Twitter page as well. And uh, that line went out to two and two and a half in some smart places. It's amazing how the house knows what's going to happen a lot. I know, right? Gosh. I'd love I'd love to spend like a week in like, you know, with a bunch of odds makers just to like just to know like how they come up with these odds. It's really unbelievable. Uh, again, uh against the Steelers, they tied, they kissed their sister 16-16, the Browns 13-10, and the Bears 16-14. So this defense has been playing very good as of late. They still have the Vikings, they're at Denver Cardinals. Ooh, that's going to be ugly. But how about this? Uh, they're at they're at the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and, and that could be a win. That could be a winnable game for them, the Falcons. And then they're at Seattle second to last week of the season. So I don't know. I've, I'll, I'll put my money on the Falcons. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Detroit lions upset the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that week, we'll the, see what The happens. Lions have been making money, though. Even though they're winless, you know, if you bet the Lions, they've covered the spread quite often. So, you know, if you're backing the Lions, they're better than uh, some of the teams that actually have winning records but are poor against the spread. So are you going into Sunday Slate up playing with house money? Absolutely. I was just telling Ty, I mean, I'm sweating out this Michigan game here. Uh, Michigan, uh, again, I posted on my Twitter page at Joe with Sports. I mean, uh, this Michigan line, it was seven, seven and a half early in the day. It closed almost six and a half everywhere all over the country. I even seen some smart places on the street that had the line. This Ohio State line dropped to six like an hour before game time. It obviously was an early noon game. It didn't kick off until 12.15, but there was some heavy money coming in on Michigan on the game. And uh, now Michigan looks pretty good right now. They're up 20. 13 and uh, uh, right now that's going to shake up the top four. It's going to make some things interesting here now. That's for sure. Uh, again, Michigan is up 28-13 with about three minutes left in the third quarter. All right, uh, let's talk about some of the other college games out there that you're eyeing coming up a little bit later on this afternoon. And one in particular is Oklahoma. It's, it's rivalry weekend. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Who do you like here? Yeah, when you take a look at it here, the line in this game has the Cowboys favored by four and a half, Anita, and the total in this game um, is at 50 and a half. And uh, Oklahoma is 16 and two 
and straight up and 13 and five against the spread in the series. They've only been a dog twice in the last two decades, and they've won both outright. Um, I think that Oklahoma's a live dog here. I think they're getting four and a half. I am taking them plus to four and a half, but I'm also taking them on the money line at plus 160. Um, I think they have a legitimate shot. The Big 12 championships on the line. Whenever you have a rivalry, you can throw things out the window. We see what's happening here with Michigan and Ohio State. Spreads don't matter. Oklahoma, like I said, very they're in an unfamiliar territory here. Um, they've been inconsistent this year, but they are. You know the book. The uh, odds makers had them. You know in the playoff chase until the very end, until they lost to Baylor. That was the only loss they had all season. Cowboys defense is really good. Oklahoma has an edge on offense, and getting four and a half. I think this game will be a tight defensive game, but getting a live dog of four and a half potential upset. Uh, another one that you like is uh, Texas. Texas A and M. What side of Texas are you on here? Well, when you look at it here, LSU is coming in with a record of 5-6 and six in either. They need this game to go become bowl eligible. It's not sure whether LSU is actually going to go bowling, even if they win, because they may not take the bid um, because they're such a proud program and they just played for the national championship just two years ago. But A&M comes in with this record at a record of 8-3. and three. It's ironic because they're talking about Jimbo Fisher, the head coach of A&M. He could be on the sidelines at LSU coaching them next year because the head coach of LSU, Ed Orgeron, is done. He, you know, They let him play out the season. I guess they gave him you know, thank you, and said, hey, you know, you, got, you won us a national championship. We're going to let you hang around. But A&M has struggled on the road. They lost at Arkansas 20-10. to 10. Um, they, they also uh, lost another game, which they lost 29-19. to 19. I don't trust them to Mississippi. I don't trust A&M here. I think the emotion, the uh, people don't take that into consideration sometimes when you look at stats and trends. you got to look at the emotions. The players are going to really come out and play hard for Orgeron. And he, they have played really well the last two games. They beat Monroe, but that doesn't count. But uh, they lost to Arkansas in overtime. And they went into Tuscaloosa and lost to Alabama by six. And that's very hard to do against Alabama. Um, I like LSU here. And I like them plus the money line also. You're almost getting plus two to one, Anita, plus 180. I know you love these prop bets. And I know you're going to get down on this LSU plus 180 upset over A&M. Yeah, I like LSU. I've got money on LSU already. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out, and that's Penn State at Michigan State. I like Penn State minus five and a half, and I love them now. Are you hearing this, uh, that Michigan State, their football team, they have a flu outbreak? The line indicates this, Anita, because the line, this line was a pick em a two days ago, okay? Then it slowly, progressively went up. And I was looking online to see what type of injuries there were, and you get a lot of different uh, disparaging reports, most of them because of a sickness. It really isn't an injury. It's a sickness. So I don't know who's playing in that game and who's not. The totals games are 51. I'd rather take a shot with the totals game under. And ironically, Penn State had issues last week against Rutgers. Half of their team was sick. That line went from 17 down to 14. Penn State still won the game. They have to go with a freshman quarterback. Clifford didn't even play against Rutgers, and they still won. So ironically, Penn State had all the sicknesses last week. Now you got Michigan State here. But uh, how about Mel Tucker? You know, getting all that money, $90 million. Boy, I mean, you know, that's amazing they gave him all that money. Um, and, uh, you know, great for him. But I just thought that they jumped again a little prematurely, giving him all that money. But I'm sure he's happy. And, uh, you know, Michigan State here, five and a half. I like to total this game under 52 um, without knowing all everybody that's out of the uh, sickness under 52 because Penn State does have a good defense. Again, Joe is joining us here on 98.70 ESPN. He has his own gambling shows here on Friday uh, and Saturday uh, and Sunday as well. So uh, throughout the weekend, uh, let's take a look at what's going on in the NFL. You've got the Colts hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks, And uh, one of my favorite plays is I like the Colts getting the points. Are we on the same side here? 
Yes, we are. Tampa Bay cannot be trusted on the road, Anita. Tampa Bay lost to the Rams. They lost to the football team. Uh, they haven't played well at all. I mean, you know, they lost to the football team. They lost to New Orleans. And they should have lost in Foxborough to New England. New England had them beaten. They missed that field goal in that late storm that came in there. Um, Brady played okay uh, Monday night, but they played the Giants. Colts right now are peaking. I mean, and, uh, until I see somebody stopping Jonathan Taylor, uh, I like I like the dog. I think the Colts are going to beat Tampa outright, uh, plus three on the money line plus 155. We're getting a lot of value here today, and you know, uh, we're going like early bird uh, Friday, post-Friday, Black Friday shopping here. Colts to beat Tampa Bay outright. Tampa, I don't, I don't think Tampa Bay's that good, I'll be honest with you. Um, they're the defending Super Bowl champs, but uh, this year, um, I don't see them going that far in the playoffs. Um, I like the Colts. I think they're the better team. They're playing better right now. Tampa cannot be trusted on the road. I'm with you. I wholeheartedly agree. Rams and the Green Bay Packers. You got uh, Aaron Rodgers. He showed us that big toe earlier this week oh on his God. Zoom. His Zoom media. Good thing he, you know, he, he gets those pedicures. Uh, but uh, this is a Rams team. You know, they're going. They're coming out. They're ready to coming off a bye week. Ready to show us their new Odell Beckham Jr. offense. I'm intrigued. Uh, what side are you on here with the Rams and the Packers? Yeah, I'm intrigued as well. It's very rare that you see Green Bay as a home dog, albeit just one point. The Rams are now a one-point favorite, and the total games are 47. And the Rams, uh, you know, they showed us a little bit two weeks ago at, at San Fran. It wasn't rather impressive. The 49ers took it to them on Monday night. And ironically, I mean, it's funny. Um, I was just looking it up. This, this, these two teams have met 97 times, and it's 47, 47, and 2. Like, it's amazing how identical their records are uh, when they meet each other. But the Packers here are coming off of a loss to the Vikings. Um, Vikings had that walk-off field goal. And um, Rodgers played well in Minnesota, 385 yards and four touchdowns. And he still had that toe, whatever, the COVID toe or black toe or whatever, stub toe, whatever you want to call it. But um, I'm going with Green Bay. I know Green Bay's banged up. <laughs> it, listen, Rogers. Like you know, I never knew much about him until just recently. With the and what I meant about his personality, ever since his contract dispute and the immunization, and now his toe, he seems a little bit, a uh, little, little out there. You know what I'm saying? But he is a great quarterback. Now, Green Bay has some problems. We know on the offensive line with Jenkins and Bacteri, Um But I still like Green Bay at home. And the weather's gonna be nice and cold. It's cold here in New Jersey, as we're all frigid today, and it's gonna be colder in Green Bay. Uh, Rams have had two weeks to prepare. Um, I give the quarterback edge. That's the biggest edge in this game here is Green Bay um, over Stafford and the Rams. Um, I like Green Bay um, to uh, get the job done. Their defense has played well prior to them losing at the Minnesota last week, and they're at home. They know what's at stake here, and so do the Rams. But at a pick or plus one, Green Bay is my play. Uh, their, their defense really has been something special. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Joe, thank you so much. Always good having you on. Again, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you very much. Thank you.